Good morning, Calamese Church. Uh, thank you, praise team, for uh, preparing and leading us in such a thoughtful worship. Mihai, thank you for that story. Uh, that was great. I think me and, Hi me and Mihai could be kindred souls because there might be only maybe on one hand the amount of people who have actually worn long johns um, in this room. And you guys probably don't even know yet. They're like, wait, what was the long johns? They're like, they're, it's underwear that's very warm. That goes all the way to here. And it's great. It's very comfortable. Um, and most importantly, thank you for you guys for coming to church this morning. The whole body is only complete when all of its members are present. I really believe that. So thank you for coming to worship, to bringing your presence here. We're in the Sermon on the Mount, and we are in a famous passage today. I want to read it for you guys. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation, though, because I think it really captures the true sense of how the verb should be translated. So you can try to say it with me. It's a little different. Uh, don't get mad. You'll, you'll, you'll get the picture. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Before we dig into it, let's say a word of prayer. Dear God, I just thank you so much for this family that we have here. This family that, while we are so different and so unique, um, all have the same Father, you. We all want to follow you with all of our hearts. And so as we dive into the word, may you send your Holy Spirit to speak to us. Um, poke us today where we need to be poked. Um, help us to pay attention where we need to pay attention. Um, and just please uh, guide my words. In your name we pray, amen. This passage is found two times in the Gospels, like verbatim, exactly word for word almost. And in the passage in Luke, it's clearly about prayer. Because Jesus is praying like Jesus always prays. And the disciples notice, man, whenever Jesus prays, it's just more special. There's like power in the words. Things happen. And so they ask Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? And so he tells them the Lord's Prayer. And then we have this passage. Ask, seek, and knock. But in our passage today, it's by the author Matthew. And Matthew arranges it in the Sermon on the Mount, and I think because of that, we really need to look at the context right before. Because if we take this passage as only talking about prayer, I think we're only going to get half the picture. And so last week, uh, with Pastor Darren, we were looking at a passage talking about judging, talking about how we shouldn't judge others, because most of the time, they just got a little speck and we got a log. And then also, just maybe we need to listen to others or we're going to give them pearls when they actually need food. They actually need sustenance. And then Jesus goes into this famous passage, and it makes me wonder, maybe asking, seeking, and knocking 
starts with the horizontal relationships around us. It starts with the way we treat our neighbors. Because unfortunately, I think sometimes we get really political, we get really manipulative. Um, when we want something from somebody, we like to twist and turn to get our way. And you guys are like, oh yeah, I know some snakes out there. <laughs> but I'm guessing that's also probably you and I. I almost do it on instinct. Sometimes there's something that I want that I definitely don't need. Okay, I'll say that again. I really want it, I definitely don't need it. Okay, I'll give you an example. Sometimes I get this idea that I probably need a pair of shoes. I already have a lot of pairs of shoes. I don't need any, but I don't know. I've just always liked having shoes. And I know if I go to Alina, because we're a team, I'm not just gonna buy shoes without her, and I say, hey, I think I should buy some shoes, she's gonna be very wise and tell me, not gonna happen, no. And so I have to be really sneaky about it. So one day, we're getting ready to go to the grocery store, and I'm tying my shoes, I'll just drop a line. And I'm not doing this maliciously, guys. This is just coming out of me, I'll be like, man, these shoes are kind of getting old. Like, don't you think? She doesn't say anything. But, like, I'll leave it there. A couple days later, I'll be on my computer, I'll be like, man, there's some really good sales on the Reebok store right now. It's amazing. I look at her, nothing on Alina's face. She knows what I'm trying to do. A couple days later, I'll see her putting on shoes, and I'll say, you know, I think you need some new shoes. We should get you some new shoes. And she'll be like, Mark, I know you're just trying to do this because if I get shoes, it means you can get shoes. Kind of sneaky of me. All of us are a little bit like this, though. With all of our relationships, we tend to want to kind of work our way, get people to say yes to the things we want them to say yes to. And honestly, that's probably one of the roots of why we judge people. Because when we're thinking only about us, we're not seeing them for what they need. The reason why we're giving pearls to people, to swine, not that we're swine, but that's the parable. When we are giving pearls when we should be giving food is because we're twisting and turning our words so we get what we want. And so Jesus says, hold on a second. If you want something from somebody, just ask them. Be honest. Don't try to be manipulative. If they say no, then they say no. If they say yes, they say yes. There's a lot of other Bible passages that talk about that, right? Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. And so I think we need to start by realizing this ask, seek, knock principle is one we can practice with all the people around us. And actually, in the passage after this, I don't know if Pastor Darren's going to preach on it next week. He might. Um, I told him I was going to touch it, and I'm not going to. So maybe he'll touch it next week. But it's the golden rule, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. And you know the best way to do that? Ask them. Tell them, I want this. They might say no. They might say yes. And then you can seek. Why not? What do you want? What do you desire? What do you need? And then I'm going to help you, but never forcefully. Always in love, so you just knock. Hey, can I give you a hand? 
And so I think this passage of asking, seeking, seeking, and knocking, at least how Matthew wants us to read it, is very relational. And in this church body, where sometimes we get intense conversations, sometimes we want what we want to happen in the church, or what we want to happen for Thanksgiving to dinner to happen, we have like the back phone calls. Can you believe she wants to make the pumpkin pie? We know you make the best pumpkin pie. We do all these little politicking. The Bible, Jesus reminds us, just ask, just seek, just knock. But then when we go to the vertical, so that's the horizontal, we start to really realize that maybe, just like how we're manipulative with the people around us, sometimes we try to manipulate God. And we do things because maybe we have an incomplete picture or a wrong picture of God. I know a lot of people who think that God is really frugal. He's really stingy. And for some reason, there's some people who ask God for things and they get what they ask for. And there's other people who ask and it doesn't seem like they get what they're asking for. And so then maybe we think, I gotta just be good, do the right things and say, hey God, like I've been pretty good. Here's my Christmas list. Huh, that's not the kind of God we serve. It's not transactional. We can't trick God into answering a prayer we have because we've been being good or doing the right things. Because God is a person who wants to have a unique kind of relationship with us. He's not a slave master, right? We, we know those relationships. In order for the slave to get any kind of leeway with the master, they have to do everything right, even be over the top. Man, we cannot treat our relationship with God like that. We also are not in a caregiver and patient, patient relation, where we wake up and, and God gives us the sustenance we need, he gives us the bath we need, he takes care of us, and everything is, is nice and dandy. God doesn't work like that either. God is not a boss worker where we'll get a good raise if we get like a lot of, a lot of souls in the kingdom. God wants us to have a father, child, parent, son and daughter relationship. He even says, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people, he's talking about us, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give? And he's not saying, oh, he will also give you fish if you ask for fish. He will also give you bread if you ask for bread. He'll give you way, way more than you even thought to ask for than you even need, because our relationship is father and child. And when it's father and child, then everything changes. Because if dad says no, he's still your dad. If mom says no, she's still your mom. And they can say no 50 times, they're still your parent. And so for us, it gives us the permission 
to ask God anything. Because when he says no, if we view our relationship with God as a child to a parent, it's okay. If it feels like God is not answering the things that we are asking for, that's cool too. And when he says yes, praise the Lord. As uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury said in 1940, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. There's something about viewing your relationship with God in this relationship way that releases us from putting pressure on God. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because sometimes when we pray, we put the pressure on him. Say, all right, God, ball's in your court. You do what we're asking for because we know it's good. And guys, we're pretty smart. Sometimes, most of the time, I say we know when it's good. God, the ball's in your court. That's not a parent-child relationship. That's transactional. As soon as we think of him as our father, when he says no, it's okay because it doesn't change anything. And it actually enables us. It enables us to be something that can only happen in this relationship, and that is an annoying child. We have permission to be that. In Luke's version, this is what it says right before the ask, seek, and knock. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus teaching. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking and knocking and knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. But then he continues in Luke saying, but God wants to give you more. He wants to for the sake of your relationship. And so, we are allowed to ask for anything all the time, whenever we want. And if we feel like we're not praying enough, you can just ask for the same things over and over again. You can just say the same prayers over and over again. I was thinking about this. The way my mom and dad raised me, every time we stepped in the car, we had to pray. Was anybody raised like that? And I realized something two weeks ago. Uh, we were at the Christmas box thing and I was gonna take a couple youth who came to Taco Bell uh, after the Christmas box thing. And we get in the car, and I said, hey guys, let's pray. And you guys know where Taco Bell is. Um, for you, it's right here, right? And I caught myself doing something. That was the first time I had prayed going into my car in a long, long time. Because along the way, something changed for me. Now we only pray when we go on like long drives or when we just like had a close call. And it's like, <sighs> get to maybe participate and be a part of that. As a pastor, um, I haven't faced a lot of those pains on my own and I feel blessed still because of that. Um, but Cal Mesa is a church that kneels and prays every week. And we ask and we seek. And sometimes, the things we ask for that I am 100% sure the healing would be good, 
doesn't happen. I think this is where we can trap ourselves. Because the classic Christian answer then is to trust in someone who knows a lot more than us. That is to trust in the God who is all-knowing. And that's true. He is all-knowing. But soon, because we are human, because we want everything to fit together like a puzzle, we start to rationalize everything. We'll say, oh, you know, like, maybe in 5, 10 years, 20 years from now, we'll see how it all lined up, how God lined up all the pieces. And hey, that was actually a pretty good call. Guys, don't do that. And even some of you guys are like, yeah, that's bad. When the pain happens, that's like something we do in the morning, in the grieving, in the trauma process. We try to rationalize what's going on. And we need to learn to separate from that when we have our relationship with God. Because I'm telling you, one day when we get to heaven, God's going to sit with us. He's going to be like, I wish a lot of those things didn't happen. There was no good God's plan when all of those things happened that you guys were praying for that didn't get answered. Let's not rationalize what happens when Calamasa prays and it doesn't happen. Instead, let's kind of go to the end of that passage. How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? No matter what, God promises, even if the answer is no, you receive the good gift. What is the good gift? I want to give you two today that I've been reflecting on as I was in this passage. The first one is God gives himself. He might not be able to fix your situation, to heal, not because he can't, just the way the, the, the scene is set up right now. Um, with choice and, and freedom and sin, all these parts, it's kind of, there's limits some, to some of these things. But he chooses to give himself. And so Jesus comes to earth, God as man to us. And because of that, it gives me hope for a couple things, that just like we on our knees cry and hope, we ask and seek, and it seems like there's no, there's no reward, there's no answer, um, that Jesus also, at the Garden of Gethsemane, was able to kneel and cry. Cry like no human has ever cried before. And in the most direct way, just ask God, like, God, this cup, this plan we have set up, there, let's do plan B. Is there plan B? Take this cup from me. Can we please, can we, can, this is my prayer, God. Can we just do something else? I don't think I can handle it. It feels like that's so bad. He even says, like, why have you forsaken me? And so when you feel like that, I hope that you know that it's comforting at least a little bit that what you are feeling, Jesus has felt too. That he hears your heart. He is with you. And he feels for you as well. He hopes for a time when all of this will pass away. In Luke, added to this text, says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And we have the second gift. No matter what, 
the result is every time you pray, you will get this, the gift of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does, he gives you wisdom, and I think this wisdom beats rationalization, right? Because we're able to see perspective, we're able to have hope, and we're able to trust that even though it feels like we're losing right now, that victory in life is on its way through Jesus. We know that the Holy Spirit is, comes to be the comforter. And to give us this weird, this weird phrase that we find in the Bible, this peace that passes understanding. This is what it means to pray, guys. It means to see God in relationship as our Father. And that means nothing we can ask for will push, him, push us away. No response he will give us will change that standing. But we should ask and seek. Keep doing it. That's what the verb implies. Keep asking, seeking, knocking. Because in Revelation, we see this beautiful picture of God who does the exact same thing. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. In the same way that we can ask and seek and knock, finding God, God's already done that step too. He's just on the other side waiting for us. And so, Calamesa Church, talking about prayer doesn't really give us answers in the way that we would like it to. But it gives us encouragement and courage. I think this is what this text gives me. And so I hope that you guys, along with me, can keep on asking. Who knows? If you're on the lookout, you'll find a lot of heavenly coincidences. I'm sure of it. Keep on seeking, and you'll find that God has more in store for you, more blessings than you had ever thought. And keep on knocking, because Jesus, God who became flesh, is just on the other side of the door. May we continue to always pray together. Our dear God, we thank you so much that you are a generous God. But whether we are on the mountains, in the streets, in the darkness, I pray that you may give us the courage to be bold and frequent to your throne. Amen. May we ask, seek, and knock. Thank you that you are going to come to us and you have something good in store for us. As we go, may you protect us and guide us. In your name we pray. Amen.